This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason, and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. What is going on? Not a whole lot. Uh, we've uh, been having quite a flurry of 50-point games in the uh, NBA this season. Uh, James Harden with a lot of them, but uh, a lot of players sort of contributing in that. So, uh, leading us to dive into some research on 50-point games, and we got a fun show coming up here. Yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting as, as you, you, you really can't ignore uh, what James Harden is doing this year and what a lot of guys around the league are doing this year. So we've started to kind of dive into uh, it's a 50 point games. It's a fun little round number that everybody seems to really, really care a lot about. We care a lot about it as well. So we uh, it's been fun to kind of look at the research of, of people that have a ton of them. Will Chamberlain has like 250 or something like that, I think uh, he's got quite a lot. But uh, yeah, James Harden vaulting up the list, too. I think he's now in the top 10. I think he's approaching like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in terms of like total uh, 50 points games or, or maybe maybe it's 40 point games for him. I forget exactly what the, the figure was, but either way, uh, it, it's hard to ignore what's been going on this season with 50 point games. But uh, this episode will be a little bit different because this is going to be about uh, those people that we maybe didn't expect to get some 50 point games, but they still did it anyway. God damn it. Yes, it, they did. And, you know, they, they tried hard. They, uh, they accomplished great things, at least for one night, and they're worth celebrating. So we're going to uh, we're going to talk about them. Oh, just uh, for the record, uh, Will Chamberlain, 118 50-point games. Which, okay, maybe that was 40-point games. I saw the had like 280 or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. well, that's that's not nearly that impressive. Jeez, no, I don't know. What was it? Not. Come on, right. Will. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> ten more. It's just ten extra points, buddy. Yeah, exactly. On. That's all. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so I, um, I, I, I looked and uh, we, we, we're not going to – I feel like I should share this. So, Will Chamberlain has more – 50-point games than uh, Dominique Wilkins, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Pete Maravich, Adrian Dantley, Bob Pettit, Russell Westbrook, Jerry West, George Gervin, Damian Lillard, Larry Bird, Tracy McGrady, Tiny Archibald, Carmelo Anthony, Carl Malone, Moses Malone, Bob McAdoo, George Mikan, Jamal Crawford, Dwayne Wade, Gilbert Arenas, Anthony Davis, Shaquille O'Neal, Clay Thompson, Richie Guerin, and David Robinson combined. So... Is that that impressive, though? I mean, let's be honest. Those guys kind of all suck. So, I mean, <laughs> okay. all right. other than Fair. Richie Guerin, the rest of those guys are bums. Right. So that's really Fair enough. Well, not Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah, Jamal yeah. Crawford. Other than Jamal Crawford and we Richie Guerin, the rest we of those guys, eh, borderline. You know, so I don't know. I guess that's impressive. But, you okay. know, Gilbert Arenas, come on. I mean, that's not it. <laughs> right. That is, uh, Wilt is ridiculous. Yeah, we've we've long wanted to do just like, uh, and maybe one of these days, just do an episode of just like Wilt stats. You know, like, if you do like baseball stats, like Barry Bonds numbers are just like out of this world where it's just like, yeah, you know, just these things that he did. But the Wilt stats are the same way, too. Like, it doesn't – you don't do a basketball reference search of some ridiculous thing without Will Chamberlain being on it, like, six times. You're like, oh, god damn it. Like, all right. Like, I'm trying to find – like, oh, nobody else has obviously done this. And it's like, oh, it's Will. Then he did it six times. Oh, come on. Like, so you almost have to have, like, a non-Wilt division when you do these things. Yeah, he is uh, He is good. Will Chamberlain, good. He was good, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, there have been nearly 650-plus point games in combined NBA and ABA history. 
Uh, and, you know, like we said, most of them, <laughs> Will Chamberlain, Michael <laughs> Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Rick Barry, Elgin Baylor, guys like that. James Harden climbing up that list. Uh, and then we have Walt Wesley. Yes, uh, of course. Cleveland Cavaliers. Hit Cavaliers 50- legend. Y- yes. <laughs> Walt Wesley. Well, yeah, for, for a while he, he helped. I mean, this, uh, I mean, they didn't have any legends. So, yeah. He, he, yeah. He held this uh, this scoring record for the franchise for 34 years, uh, starting in February 19th, 1971, and their uh, very first season in the league. He scored 50 points against his former team, the Cincinnati Royals. And uh, Wesley averaged 8.5 points per game in uh, in 17.5 minutes per game throughout his career. He played 500 total games in his career, played for uh, eight teams in 10 years. Now, that season, he did boost his averages quite a bit. He had 17.7 points per game. Uh, 8.7 rebounds per game. Uh, but I, I would say in terms of modern equivalent, this is sort of like John Henson having a 50-point game. Like in, in terms of, you know, career marks, in terms of likelihood of that happening, that that would be about the, you know, ridiculous level in which he kind of came out of nowhere and did this. Yeah, it, it is. It's remarkable. Yeah, and that's going to be the kind of the theme of the show is 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 guys that just it, it's like fifty points. Like that doesn't seem like that guy should have that or whatever. Yeah, like John Henson's a great comp there. It's just like John Henson's a good player. You know, it's a solid yeah, role player. Fine. But like yeah. fifty points, that's a lot of points. Like there's right. no way that that. So that'll be kind of thing. Yeah, he. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. He, I mean, the, the seventeen point seven points per game is pretty good, and, and it's the expansion Cavs, which obviously has a little bit of a caveat to it. But uh, we're going to see that a few times throughout this. Is like bad teams need people to score for them, and often these guys that maybe in full their career isn't all that great will have these sort of explosions for teams that that aren't very good or whatnot but you know it's it's kind of an interesting balance of wins and losses throughout these uh few guys that we have up here but Walt Wesley a good one to start off with here yeah he had 15 uh wins in this uh or, or he he uh it was one of 15 wins for the Cavs this year the, the Cavs did win this game uh over the Royals uh and two days later Wesley had 30 points and 21 rebounds against Portland another expansion team that year so um, and yeah, apparently if you look over his, the, the rest of his career outside of this season, his scoring average of 6.9 points. So this season did quite a bit to boost, uh, that average. And like we said, he held the, uh, scoring record for more than 30 years for the franchise until LeBron broke it in 2005. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. And they had some good players obviously during that time, but yeah. no one, yeah. You know, a little surprise, Brad Doherty never broke that or or what have you, but yeah, Larry Nance or whatever. But uh, yes, um, and he was also part of the trade that sent Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to the Lakers. In fact, he, along with Kareem, went to the Lakers for the four players the Bucs got back. And uh, he only played one game for the Lakers, opening night against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> scored four points, was uh, placed in waivers a week later. In fact, when they announced the trade, uh, famously, they actually forgot to mention that he was part of it. The, oh. the reporter had to clarify <laughs> later and be like, oh, yeah, Walt Wesley was part of it, too. So That kind of yeah. stinks. Like, show up to this practice facility, and they're like, oh, Walt, like, sorry, we didn't you know? And no, I didn't, but... Uh... I can see that happening, though, especially when you're acquiring Kareem with Jabbar. you got bigger things to worry about. So, you know, <laughs> slightly bigger focus, yeah. Exactly. So. Our move on now, uh, Larry Miller, Carolina Cougars. Yeah, baby, we're going to the ABA. 67 points <laughs> for Larry Miller, March 18th, 1972. Uh, his career averages uh, 13.6 points per game in about uh, 786 games as well. Uh, this is the only ABA 50-point game uh, out of more than 40 so uh, that we could find with someone who averaged less than 15 points per game. So there were other 50-point games, obviously, in the ABA, uh, but the only one that we could find... Uh, in the research that you can do, ABA stats are still a little, little wonky to find here. But uh, the only guy that we could find with under uh, 15 points per game in his career for Larry Miller uh, set an, N- uh, an ABA uh, single game scoring record that was never broken. The 67 points uh, were the most that any pro basketball guard had ever scored until Pete Maravich uh, totaled 68 on February 25th, 1977. So yeah, big, uh, big moment there for Larry Miller uh, and the Carolina Cougars. 67, man, that's that's a lot of points. That is, yeah. And yeah, in his, his previous game, he uh, had gone 11 minutes without scoring uh, against the Nets. So he was benched during that game, and then the very next game comes out for the Cougars, 67 points. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, David Friedman wrote a, a nice uh, some details of the game at his blog, 22nd Time Out, um, and actually mentions Woody Page, of course, the famous you know reporter on ESPN uh, out of Denver, uh, covered it for the Memphis Commercial Appeal. Said that Johnny Newman was scoring, uh, was guarding Miller for a lot of the game. Not a great uh, defender. Uh, in fact, it refers to him as the worst defense defensive player in basketball. 
Uh, and then Joe Caldwell, his teammate, uh, you know, who, who was uh, sort of known as for being a malcontent in the ABA, but said, hey, that was a really fun game for me because, you know, one time I'd scored 56 uh, in the ABA. So, you know, I, I gave him seven assists. You know, when he got hot, I made sure the ball stayed in his hands. Um, it was one of the most exciting moments for me to be involved when a guy gets hot like that. Somebody has to keep the ball in his hands. Uh, and he was Miller was known for doing a lot of um, pump faking, but you know one, th- one thing in this stats he got the line a lot in this one uh, seventeen of thirty three free throw attempts, but uh, he shot twenty five of thirty nine and missed one three point attempt, so sixty seven points without the aid of a, a three pointer. Yeah, that's that that's game. pretty yeah. good, man. Yeah, that is not bad at all. Yeah. Yes, and unfortunately, two days after this game, his house in Greensboro burned down because of a lightning strike. Oh, jeez, so, yeah, very very <laughs> sad. And uh, later on in his ABA career, uh, he uh, joined the San Diego Contisadors, and Will Chamberlain became the coach of the team. And then he basically, and then he immediately benched uh, Miller. Of course, you know the two people who own the single points, uh, point, single game points records in their leagues. And Miller just played seven games in San Diego before he went to the Virginia Squires and ended his career there. Unfortunately, he did not. All right, he went to the Squires, and then I think he went to the Utah Stars and ended his career before the uh, merger had a chance to take place. So never played in the NBA. All right, so move on to our next guy here, Mike Newland of the New Jersey Nets. He gets 52 points on December 16th, 1979. Career averages of 14.9 points per game uh, in 837 games for Newland's career. Uh, pretty interesting career here. So he uh, he was a second-round pick of the San Diego Rockets in the 1971 draft. Uh, he would never play for San Diego, though, as, of course, the Rockets were going to be moving to Houston in 1971. So technically, I think very technically, he is the first in original, quote-unquote, Houston Rocket because he was the first first player to sign with the team when it was in Houston. So congratulations, Mike Newland, on being the original yeah. Houston Rockets. So there you go, just by virtue of being drafted by San Diego and then signing with Houston. But uh, Newland was decent enough score in his career. He averaged over 15 points per game uh, in three of his first five seasons. Still, he didn't seem quite capable of this like major point explosion. All right, before uh, this 52-point game, uh, Newland's highest scoring game was 38 points. Uh, but that was when he was on the Rockets. Now he'd become a New Jersey Nets. The Nets were not very good. Uh, and they looked to Newland to become one of their big scorers. So he had only averaged 10 points per game the prior year with Houston. Uh, I, you know, upon joining the New Jersey Nets, he explodes. He gets 20.9 points per game uh, that season. And then he caps it off December 16th, 1979, with a 52-point game. He had a, uh, a few scoring outbursts earlier in the season as well. But nothing compared to the 52 he'd, of course, put up on the Celtics. So I think it's interesting enough that it wasn't like a really bad team. It was the Celtics. They they won 61 games that year. They lose the uh, the Eastern Conference Finals to Philly that year. But yeah, it's not like really, you know, not too much. And I think what's interesting, too, is the prior game, I scored only four points against the Cavaliers, who uh, did not get much better after old Walt Wesley, uh, that uh, they were still pretty bad uh, for this point. They're not, you know, the greatest team in the world right now. Uh, but Newland shot 19 to 28 from the field, including 13 of 15 from the free throw line. Uh, Newland would have a few more big games uh, throughout his career, or throughout the year, I should say, including a 40-point game uh, in February. But he'd never get back to the 50-point plateau at uh, any point over his career. But um I found this pretty interesting. A few years ago, uh, the Rockets.com or the Rockets official website uh, did an interview with him and recalled this game a little bit. And then, you know, some of his favorite, some of his favorite games, like Mike Newland's, you know, favorite highlights or whatever. Uh, the first point he said, if I had to choose my best personal moment, it would be when I scored a career high 52 points against Larry Bird, Dave Cowens, Dennis Johnson and the Celtics. But I, I I kept this quote for a big reason. That that's the end of the quote about the fifty two point game. He doesn't really have much to say about it. But this other part I found very interesting. He said the other great moment I remember is one day we were playing the Celtics in the playoffs and we beat them at the uh, the what was it the Hofhens Pavilion. I don't even know how to pronounce. Hofheinz, I believe. Yeah, Hofheinz Hofheinz Pavilion on national TV. I think someone had like thirty points. Later that day I went out and played golf and I shot a seventy three. Then later that same night I played slow pitch softball game and I hit about three or four home runs. I just remember that being a specifically great athletic day for me. I'd say that's a pretty good. How do you do all that in one day? Like, I don't know. You play a basketball game and then you golf and then you play slow pitch softball. It's uh, pretty good. So here's where I'd make a Sid Vicious joke that only like seven people would get. So I'm just going to not make it, even though I kind of made it and you got it and seven people got it. But I'll move on. So All right. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's interesting. Like, yeah, Newland's one of the guys. He actually had his peak career scoring years at age 31 and 32 with the Nets and like the Nets they weren't good, but that first year they were like a you know, kind of a you know middle of the road team. They they had a better right. point differential. They, they they were a thirty four win team, but they were more like a thirty eight win team. So like you know, you could understand him getting all that like on a terrible team, but you know like a mediocre team like that's actually like you know he wasn't just putting out completely empty stats. Like he was you know his efficiency was all right. Like he was 
effective in that role. That's it, it, interesting to be at that age to uh, do that after, you know, you know, I was kind of associated with Houston. I didn't even realize he had played other places in his career. So, so a uh, fun little fact there. So next we got Freeman Williams of the San Diego Clippers with 51 points on January 19th, 1980. And uh, interestingly enough, he only had a 14.7 points per game, but he managed to do that in 20.5 minutes per game. So a very, very good, <laughs> right, uh, right, right. you know, uh, points per minute game. But he only had 323 games in his career, which is one of the lowest on this list. Um and yeah, he was known for as a big scorer in college. Uh, he's a Portland State's all-time leading scorer, the second leading scorer in Division One history, leading the leading the uh, league in 1978, trailing only Pete Maravich. Uh, so you know, you know, would you say okay? Why does he belong on this list? Well, he's sort of famous for uh, being the eighth overall pick of the Celtics, but being part of that huge franchise uh, swap between the uh, the Braves slash Clippers and Celtics in 1978, he was traded to the uh, by the Celtics along with uh, Kevin Coonert, Kermit Washington, and Sidney Wicks to the uh, Clippers for Tony Archibald, Marvin Barnes, um, Billy Knight, and a couple of second round picks. One of them ended up being Danny Ainge. Curse you, Danny yes. Ainge. I just, I just wanted to make sure that I got Danny Ainge in an episode just to make yes. you happy. So, uh, like, I could have left that part out. Like, it, it's really irrelevant yeah. what the pick right. ended up becoming, but it became Danny Ainge. So, I just think that uh, that just we have to make good that. Winner. Always, All-time winner. That. All, yeah. <laughs> All-time winner, winner, Danny Ainge. So, yeah. Uh, so it didn't really, uh, score a lot, you know, at first, but then you know, second and third year, he starts to, uh, find some success, uh, getting behind the three point line. The, the Clippers were kind of one of the, uh, the first teams to really embrace the mm-hmm. three point line. And he, you know, he was taking like at his peak, he took two a game. So it was right. I mean, like, but still, yeah. <laughs> you know, at this era, yeah. just taking any is like being an elite at that time. So yeah, even though it's like, yeah, he made like less than one a game and he shot two a game. It's still just like, well, I mean, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> like he, he shot threes like that. Nobody else is really doing that. So, yeah. So prior to this game, his highest was 35 a few months prior. And then this game is a 14 point loss to Phoenix. He had 51, 22 of 34 shooting, shooting only five of six from the free throw line. So a lot of jump shots there, probably no threes in this game though. Um, but he would, yeah, he had, he had a couple years with the Clippers flirting with 20 point per game averages before, uh, ending up going from the Clippers to Atlanta and things did not go well, uh, for his career after that, uh, kind of bounced around, spent a couple years in the, uh, in the Philippine uh, Basketball Association um, later on in his career, and he famously scored 82 points, including 10 three-pointers in uh, one game. So uh, was also uh, he was the first Clippers player to win a Player of the Month award, and he was the only one in franchise history to do that until Elton Brand did so 25 oh, years later. So, God. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> Clippers, yay! Yes, <laughs> my yes. God. Uh, also, we we we'd remiss if we did not mention that Freeman William uh, uh, Freeman Williams uh, had a small part in White Men Can't Jump. He plays fictional playground legend Duck Johnson. So uh, yeah. I don't recall that that character, but uh, I will go back and watch it now, and I will then now forever know that it is Freeman Williams. I not, don't think I knew that until today. I don't think yeah. I ever knew about Freeman Williams until today either. So, well, uh, but I'm glad I know about him now. So. Right. I, I believe, and I, I could be misremembering this slightly, so nobody put it on the record, but I, I do believe that there was a, a a chance that he may have been, that instead of having him part of the trade, that Larry Bird may have ended up being, like, there was a chance that Larry Bird could have been part of the trade, and, and you know, before, or the pick that led, became Larry Bird, or, or what have you. It's a, it's a little convoluted, so... Um, but but yes, there's a chance that Freeman Williams could have been a, a Celtics legend, and uh, Larry Bird could have been a Clippers bust. So you never know; it's another another world, alternate universe. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, a man who was labeled as a bust, but probably should not have been, Joe Barry Carroll, uh, Golden State Warriors, 52 points, March 5th, 1983. So now. I, he, He's an interesting part about this list. I, I don't know that it's unlikely for him to score 50 because he was actually a very productive player. We'll get to it here in a bit. And we've talked about it on the show. But I think, you know, rather than narratives around him, I always like to kind of 
we, we always like to kind of dispute them because he gets unfairly labeled as, as, you know, Joe barely cares and just barely Carol yep. and all these sort of names that we hear about. And it's mostly because, you know, he had a career average of 17.7 points per game. Not bad at all. 705 games over his career, a very solid NBA career. I uh, selected by the Golden State Warriors with the first overall pick in the 1980 draft. And that always comes with, uh, you know, a lot of baggage. If you're the first overall pick worse yet, because he was acquired by the Warriors after they traded Robert Parrish and the draft pick that ended up being Kevin McHale. So no, that's not great. I mean, obviously Kevin McHale, and Robert, Parish, the bat, you know, some of the backbones of the Boston Celtics dynasties of the 80s or whatever. Yes, Joe Barry Carroll is not those guys, but still, he had a pretty good career. And because he wasn't as good as those, and because he was the first overall pick and didn't, you know, explode onto the scene, and the Boston was as good as they were, he gets unfairly kind of pegged down. And, 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 you know, those nicknames kind of stuck with them. But, you know, first few seasons, though, uh, in the league, he was a very, very productive player. Uh, he averaged 18.9 points per game uh, and 9.3 rebounds as a rookie. I mean, that's really damn good. Uh, he scored a career high uh, of 46 points and led the Warriors in 121 blocks uh, that first season. He was named the all-rookie first team, so he's like a very, very good rookie and a very productive player. Um, you know, we look at this game, we jump ahead a few years here, March 5th, you know, 1983. I uh, put it all together for the really the best game of his entire career. He scored 51 points. Uh, he had flirted with 50 points a few times. He had a 46-point game uh, in February 1981, uh, but nothing like the March 5th game, like we said, when Carroll, I put up 52. He had 22 of 32 shooting, uh, including 8 of 13 from the free throw line. Uh, and interestingly enough about his career as well, just when he kind of seemed to kind of find his place in the NBA, just when he started to kind of feel comfortable, he left. He went to go play in Italy uh, in 1980. He left the Warriors to go play in Italy. Uh, he won both the Italian League Championship and was selected uh, all-league team and won the FIBA Correc Cup. Uh, he returned to the NBA uh, the next year, averaged 21.2 points for two consecutive seasons under George Carl. Uh, and then, you know, in 1987, you know, he was named to the NBA All-Star Game. So, you know, really had a pretty solid career. But, yeah, I just wanted to put him on this list because he's a guy that just, I think, unfairly gets docked for not being Robert Parrish or Kevin McHale. And that's really yeah. not fair for him. Right. I mean, I think if you didn't know anything about his career, you just knew like his name and his nickname, you would think he'd be like Darko Militich or you'd think he'd yeah, be just like, this, like know, fat, bad player that didn't care. Yeah, right. it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe, yeah, maybe the nickname, maybe he didn't care much. Maybe he didn't play like he cared a whole lot. But uh, yeah, you look at his numbers, especially like early on his career, like he's producing like, I don't know, like like eighty percent of Demarcus Cousins' stats. Like, I mean, like that's a good player. That's you know, right, that's, right. And, and yeah, maybe they're empty stats. He didn't play for good teams, and you know, the the Warriors were uh, a high paced team, so some of that might be slightly inflated. But uh, you know, yeah, he, he was, uh, you know, he was pre- a pre- pretty productive player, a, a a pretty good player who you know was a number one overall pick. So there's that, and of course was the you know part of a famous trade that you know led to a Celtics dynasty, and you know led to the Warriors you know, not being really very good for a while. So. um so you know, I, I can see where the narrative is, but it's almost like it goes too far. Where you're, you're kind of like, you're, you're kind of like, oh yeah, this guy was absolutely trash. It was like, yeah, well, no, he was actually like a fairly effective NBA player yeah. for you know quite quite a long time. So another warrior who is uh, a part of the the annals of uh, fifty point scoring history, uh, Purvis Short, uh, who uh, had fifty nine points for the uh, for. On November 17th, 1984, another one where it's pretty debatable that he would be considered unlikely, but I just think he's kind of like looped into that name because he's obviously he was not a, you know, a a tremendously uh, successful or popular player, never was an all star, um, but did average 17.3 points per game uh, over 842 games in his career, most of it with the uh, Warriors. Um, And uh, another uh, Larry Bird connection here as he was uh, the fifth overall pick of that uh, draft by the Warriors. Uh, Larry Bird was uh, picked uh, sixth. So uh, a lot of 50-point scorers in that uh, draft, uh, come to think of it. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's – but, uh, you know, there was some some interesting stuff with the Larry Bird thing as well. But, yeah, maybe Purvis Short then gets a little bit of docked. You know, you'd look at him again and be like, oh, my God, they passed up Larry Bird for him. But a solid career. You know, more – you know, not Larry Bird career, but a solid career. (laughs) So – yeah, and uh, we'll get to it, but but the this season, which he does score, uh, you know, he has this game. He averages twenty eight points this season. I mean, and uh, again, playing on a you know very high pace team, so the, the it's inflated a little bit. But you know, he had four seasons in a row where he averaged twenty plus point games. It reminds me a little bit of like Isaiah Thomas in terms of the the modern Isaiah Thomas, not the Pistons Isaiah Thomas, where um, you, you kind of was a journeyman for, you know, for a first few years and then just suddenly kind of blew up and just started, you know, having big scoring binges over several, you know, over uh, several seasons. Um, mm-hmm. And he definitely had something 
uh, along those lines. But yeah, it, it's interesting how um, yeah at Golden State he kind of you know emerged a bit, and then uh, the Warriors got Bernard King, which kind of pushed uh, short to the uh, bench, and um, he was kind of a you know. He was kind of a he played some guard, but I think played mostly forward throughout his career. So he was behind there, and then started working with uh, Pete Newell, who's you know of course famous for working out with guys like you know Kermit Washington and other guys helping turn around their career. Um, and then uh, and then yes, really you know picked up his career starting in '83, you know boosting that scoring average, playing a lot more. And uh, this career high 59 points was was during a loss. Uh, he. Uh, he scored 20 out of 28 field goal attempts, 15 three throws, so a very efficient game. Um, at that point, uh, only nine other players had scored more points in one game, and it was actually the, the most points that had been scored in the league since David Thompson and George Gervin had their 73 and 63 points uh, back in April of 78. So this is almost seven years later, and there was not a 60-point game, you know, um, uh, well, it was just 59, obviously, but yeah, there had that been that many points scored in a game during that time, which is which is kind of odd, honestly. It's yeah. a little bit. It's a fairly long drought for you know that that, that amount of scoring total to occur. Absolutely, yeah. We'll move on to the next guy here. I think uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Sleepy Floyd, uh, Golden State Warriors again. So the yes. <laughs> theme here is play for yeah. the Warriors. They are often not great, and sometimes you can score a lot of points. But this is not the case here because uh, Sleepy Floyd did this May tenth, nineteen eighty seven. You're thinking to yourself, May tenth. That's pretty late in the season. It was a playoff game. Sleepy Floyd putting fifty one up. For the Warriors in a playoff game, we'll get to that in a sec, uh, career averages of 12.8 points per game for him, 957 games. I don't think I knew that Sleepy Floyd had such a prolific career, but uh, he did. So he was drafted by the New Jersey Nets, uh, 13th pick of the 1982 NBA draft. Uh, during the middle of his rookie year, uh, Floyd is traded by the Nets with Mickey Johnson to the Golden State Warriors from Michael Ray Richardson. Uh, and that really helped his career a lot. Floyd improved on the Warriors. He averaged uh, 16.8 points per game in his first full season with them. Uh, during the 1985 season, he averaged a career-high 19.5 points per game. Uh, two seasons later, 18.8 points per game, uh, and he earned a spot on the 1987 NBA All-Star team. So uh, he joined uh, Joel Barry Carroll on the uh, All-Star team there. Uh, but it was during the 1987 playoffs that Floyd had an all-time great performance. He scored 51 points against the Lakers in Game 4 of the Western Conference Semifinals. That's a big deal. The Lakers are good, obviously, at this point. Uh, and this avoided a sweep for the Warriors as well. They were about to get swept in this series, but uh, Floyd puts up 41 or, or 51, I should say, on 18 of 26 shooting, including two of three from a three point line and 13 of 14 from the free throw line. So, um, some records still to this day for Sleepy Floyd. He still holds the NBA playoff record for most points scored in a quarter uh, with 29, as well as most points scored in a half with 39 as well. Uh, and then in December 1987, Floyd is traded with our good friend Joe Barry Carroll again. Hey, what's up? Uh, to the Houston Rockets for Ralph Sampson and Steve Harris. Uh, Floyd remained with the Rockets until 1993 when he moved down to the Spurs, uh, just missing out on the Rockets back-to-back championships, of course. And then uh, Floyd played for a few more years even after that. Like, I did not know until today that his career was as long as it was i mean guy was drafted in the early 80s and played until you know pretty far into the 90s so it's pretty cool yeah 95 was his last season with the nets and he had uh seven seasons where he played all 82 games so that's uh I actually played not more sleep games. at all. No, no, he was very no. awake. Awake yes. Floyd. Yes. Awake Floyd. Yeah, it's not a good nickname. <laughs> awake no. and alert. We Floyd, better yeah. Yeah, very alert. Very, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe he was resting during some of those games. You know, maybe he was able to conserve his energy. That's why he That's played true. so many games. Maybe, maybe he was sleepy outside of the games. Maybe he just, he got his sleep. And then when he came, right. Games, oh, he was nice maybe he was ahead so. of, you know, because now the NBA is all about like, you know, guys being on sleep schedules and making sure right. that sleep is such a big deal. And the new, you know, market inefficiency is sleep. Maybe sleep before he was ahead of the game there. He's like, no, 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 guys, I'm not going out to party. I'm going out to sleep. And like, yeah. he got the name for it. But hey, he got, got to play a long, long career. So good uh, for him. very good. Good for him. Uh, next, we have uh, Charles Smith of the Los Angeles Clippers, 52 points on uh, December 1st, uh, 1990. And he had career averages of 14.4 points per game in 564 games. Uh, he had uh, a pretty high hopes uh, coming into the league, was third overall in the 88 draft by the 76ers, but was actually traded immediately to the uh, Clippers for Hersey Hawkins and a 1989 uh, first-round draft pick. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, at the time, he was one of the better players on the team because he was one of the better scorers and rebounders. But um, you know, so maybe not completely out of nowhere, despite his career numbers. But 
uh, still, you know, Charles Smith, you, you don't think of him as, you know, he was a good kind of like, uh, you know, de- defender rebounder for the mid nineties Knicks. That, that's kind of, you know, the first thing I think of him is more just kind of rugged power forward, like he scored a little, right. you know, rebounded enough, but not really, uh, you know, not, not a guy you would necessarily think would be scoring 52 points in a game. No, absolutely not. And I, I think he's also famous, of course, for uh, uh, years later, you mentioned the Knicks. He's famous for the guy that was blocked four times uh, directly under the basket oh, that's right. uh, in the Eastern yes. Conference Finals against the Bulls. So yeah. uh, one of the uh, the great memories of, of Knicks past there, of <laughs> just Charles Smith is really, really trying to get the ball into the basket and just, you know, Horace Grant and, and Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, just not letting him do that. So uh, yeah, it's Charles Smith there. But uh, yeah, pretty good game. Uh, the the, the career high 52 points against the Nuggets. And these were the Paul Westhead Nuggets as well. So they were top in the league in, in pace and points per game uh, at this time they also only won 21 games so they were also not very good at that they were giving up points they were scoring points but they were not winning many games uh, and thanks to Smith's 51 the Clippers won by 16 and the Clippers were not very good at this point either so a uh, good win for the Clippers uh, Smith shot 17, uh, 17 to 27 from the field and 18 to 21 from the free throw line so uh, pretty good and, you know he had flirted with some 50 or some 40 point games here and there but uh, yeah still to be a 50 point game he, he does stand out for sure uh, and more recently January uh, 2014 he along with Dennis Rodman and a few other players uh, went to North Korea so you remember the the very odd Dennis Rodman's going to North Korea to play basketball thing well Charles Smith was one of those guys too so um, I don't know who the other guys were I didn't look it up but Charles yeah. Smith was one of them that's all I know so hey remember when our politics were weird yeah <laughs> right I mean thankfully that was the weirdest it ever got is Dennis yeah. Rodman being a diplomat we're right. good it's over and now everything's fine so, yeah, that's, nice. that's so that's good. good it's so that's refreshing good. that in 2019 it's you know the crazy days of January 2014, baby. So weird. So in the past. Ooh. So uh, so speaking of wild crazy, we go to Nick Anderson next <laughs> of the Orlando Magic. 50 points. Is he wild and crazy? Is Nick Anderson wild and crazy? I guess. I, I mean, I guess. All right. I'll go with it. I'll go with it. All right. Yes. Um, well, th- what happens to this game is wild and crazy, perhaps. Even That's, Nick Anderson you know, himself. You're there. Crazy. You're there. You're right. All right. There we go. <laughs> so he had 50 points uh, on April 23rd, 1993. This is the only uh, 50-point game um, off the bench in uh, in recorded NBA history, I believe. So um, pretty interesting there. But uh, before we get into the actual details of the game, which are interesting, I uh, want to mention his career averages at 14.4 points per game in 800 games. Um, so, yeah, he didn't start because of a strain and screen that had him questionable right before tip-off, but he came off the bench 17 of 25 shooting and 12 of 12 from the line. Um and uh, but his scoring explosion was not the story of the game because it was instead Shaq. Uh, Shaq angry about getting dunked on by Derek Coleman during their first meeting. He pulled down the backboard in the first quarter. Uh, this was different from a backboard break he'd had a, a couple months early in Phoenix. This one was uh, was really really uh, loud and scary. Basically, the entire stanchion crumbled and falls, which is super dangerous if it came down quick and hit at someone. Unfortunately, no one was hurt. Um, Shaq only had ten points and five rebounds, but obviously that was the uh, the talk of the game as they were able to repair that and then uh, and and re- and then play the game, continue the game. And then yeah, the NBA ended up creating Shaq proof rims between the season and Shaq's second year to prevent that from happening in game. I, I, I don't recall there being a rim broken during an NBA game uh, since then. I mean, it, perhaps it has happened, but do you recall any incident where that uh, I don't. Occurred? I, I want to say there was a game a few years ago where somebody shot the ball and like the rim got dislodged a little bit. Forget hmm. what it was. It was something like that, or someone was throwing like an alley-oop and it got dislodged. But since then, no, I, I really have not recalled anybody even even breaking the rim or breaking the net, or obviously, you know, backboards are broken, and, and Shaq was like decimating backboards at this time, so uh, good idea that they did this. I mean, yeah, the one in Phoenix is, is you know, interesting because the whole glass comes down or whatever, and it's like dangerous because glass is falling. Well, this one's bad, too, because the whole thing just crumbles. Like, if that thing fell on somebody, like, my God, like, that would have been awful. But the, just the entire weight of the, the, the backboard and the scoreboard and, and and the shot clock and all that stuff is falling on somebody was just been nuts and and it's a weird one too because it like kind of crumbles and folds and it's kind of weird and strange and and whatnot and yeah it's it's unfortunate because it's like a very very overshadowed fifty point game by Nick Anderson because he he does it off the bench which is really remarkable but yeah the talk of the town was of course uh, Shaq just destroying that rim and in a very iconic moment as well but uh, yeah no off the top of my head I can't recall anybody breaking any rims or nets uh, or, or backboards since then so. Yeah, well, if anyone uh, happens to remember, you can uh, get us on Twitter at yeah. Over and Back NBA and let us know. If uh, you know, we always encourage uh, you know, we encourage little nuggets of uh, information that we uh, may forget while we're recording the show. 
Uh, so speaking of things you might forget, Willie Burton. Uh, the, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> on uh, December 13th, 1994, 50 points. Um, career average of only 10.3 points per game, but that was in 21.1 minutes per game. So at least a decent um, uh, points per minute average. Only played 316 points uh, during his career. And um, yeah, he's, I think, definitely up there in terms of the most obscure players to uh, do this. Uh, he was selected by the Heat in the first round, ninth overall in the 1990 NBA draft from the University of Minnesota. And actually was you know fairly solid, was second team all rookie, averaged 12 points per game in his career, then kind of fell out of the Heat's rotation, uh, was waived in November 1994. Six days later, he signed with Philadelphia, and just a month later, in a game against his former Heat team, he exploded for 53 points, um, which is pretty crazy. Yes, yeah, yeah. and the, the, we'll talk about this, too, because the most crazy thing about this and the reason why Burton usually gets brought up in these conversations of unlike you 50-point games and, and oddities in NBA history uh, is Burton attempted only 19 field goals in this game, which is an NBA record for fewest field goal attempts in a 50-point game. Uh, Burton shot 5 of 8 from 3 and a ridiculous 24 of 28 from the free throw line. 24 of 28 from the free throw line, just pretty nuts there. Uh, this is the 17th time in NBA history, at least according to Basketball Reference, uh, playing next records that someone had 28 or more free throws in a game or th- free throw attempts in a game, I should say. Uh, and this one's weird too, because Burton never came close to 50 points ever again. He got to 33 points in February, uh, you know, a few months later, uh, but never even reached 40 points at any other point in his career. So this one really stands out as a unique one. And I remember the Burton one coming up as, as a comp uh, this year when Clay Thompson did that ridiculous, you know, 50 point game against the bulls where he basically just came in and shot threes and made every three and then left the game like in the third quarter. And it was like, wow, that seemed like a very efficient 50 point game. Like that has to be the most efficient one ever. And really when you look at it, you know, Willie Burton has like the, most you know kind of field goal efficient uh potentially you know you know 50 point game in history because he only attempted 19 uh but it was a lot a lot of free throws which made it i'm sure not a very exciting game and not a very exciting 50 point performance but still willie burton gets his moment in the sun so that's good for him yes and this would have been this was the first year in which the free throw or excuse me the three-point line was moved in for uh, a couple seasons so that obviously increased the number of attempts and increased the number of um uh, you know, the chances of getting hot from three and that helping you get to, you know, 40, 50 points in a game. And we'll, we'll be looking at that, I think, a little bit more uh, as we uh, if we delve into more uh, 50 point uh, themed episodes. But uh, but definitely uh, had something to do with this one. Um, our next one is uh, from the same team and the same season. Dana Barros, uh, March 14th, 1995, 50 points in the game. Another guy, not much on the career average, 10.5 points per game, although he did do it in uh, 22.9 minutes per game, 850 games in his career. So he certainly had a much uh, a, a pretty lengthy career. Uh, and then, yeah, in he his career, he was a first round pick out of uh, Seattle, but they had another pretty good guard named Gary Payton in front of him. So he was um, more, sort of the backup there. Uh, and then, yeah, he kind of you know, he, he was. You know, uh, he, he did play point guard, but he was a, a more of a scoring point guard than a d- d- distributing pack point guard. And uh, 95 was by far his best season. He had 20.6 uh, points per game that season. He never had more than uh, 13 outside of that in his first four seasons. And he didn't average uh, his, his high was 9.7. So he definitely, uh, you know, went up there at age 27. Uh, he peaked there on that uh, team. And um yeah, he was a part of a trade uh, from Seattle to the Charlotte Hornets in exchange for Kendall Gill. And then two days later, he uh, went to the Sixers uh, along with Sidney Green and a 1993 draft choice to the Sixers for Hersey Hawkins. So Hersey Hawkins involved in another trade involving a point <laughs> uh, score uh, going on here. So, um, yeah, and then you know, with, with the Sixers, he uh, had a career high in minutes per game, field goal percentage. He shot uh, 46.4% from a three, which certainly helped his uh, scoring average, as we mentioned, 20.6 points per game. Also um, had career highs in rebounding and assists. So really uh, quite a, a tremendous uh, season, a tremendous game. Here's one of those like, you know, definitely like one year wonders of guys like going way above their career norms in just um, one season. Uh, in this game, they uh, was against the defending champion Eastern Rockets and he was 21 of 26 from the field. Uh 
Six of eight from three, and uh, unlike Willie Burden, uh, not uh, helped by going to the free throw line. He was only two for two from the free throw line. So Yeah, and this puts him in, in, in rare company. Only uh, Dana Barros, uh, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. <laughs> so, of course, three names, the three legends of, yes, of shooting history. Of course, right. you know, yeah. what, the, the three, the Mount Rushmore of, uh, of shooting is Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Dana Barros, of course, right. uh, can lay claim to shooting two or fewer three uh, free throws in a 50-point game. So uh, both those guys, Clay Thompson did it earlier this year against the Bulls, as I mentioned, and Steph Curry did it uh, two years ago. Uh, where he had less than, uh, I think he only had one free throw that entire game. And Darren Barros, obviously only two for two uh, from the free throw line. But uh, yeah, he's he's a very interesting career here because like he's a guy that basically averages under 10, averages you know, 13 one year, a little over that, then gets 20, and then he's like right back to 30, <laughs> 13, and then he's eight, and then he's nine, and then he's kind of just like floating around doing you know a, a good role player. But yeah, just that kind of one-year wonder where all of a sudden you look at his stats, you're like 28 point points per game what the hell like what the hell's going on with data Barros there but uh pretty good season and, and it worked out pretty well for him he was selected to play in the all-star game uh, and at season's end he was voted as the league's most improved player i uh, also set an nba record by making at least one three-pointer in 89 consecutive games from december 23rd 1994 until january 10th 1996 so he uh made full use of that three-point line uh the record was eventually broken but pretty long after though by kyle corver in december of 2013 so dana Barros keeping that record all the way from 1996 until December 2013. So that's that's something to be proud of, old Dana. Yeah, 17 years. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, next, we got Tracy Murray of the Washington Wizards. Uh, 50 points. This occurred on February 10th, 1998. Uh, and this was uh, – he was aided by Rod Strickland, as we'll see in this game. But his career averages uh, nine points per game and 18.4 minutes per game. So another guy who did, did pretty well in the uh, points per minutes category – 659 games in his uh, career, so a, a, a long career for uh, a relatively low-minute career, uh, dis- despite playing for quite a long time. Uh, started his career with the uh, Spurs, and, uh, well, it was pretty brief, actually, because he was uh, draft- uh, seven days after he was drafted by the Spurs, he was uh, traded. Uh, in fact, he was traded twice in the same day. First, he went to the Milwaukee Bucks for Dale Ellis, and the Bucks shipped him to Portland for... Uh, uh, how do you pronounce it? I, I've never, uh, I, I've always seen his I'll, name. Uh, I've been, I've been Abdel, oh, I, I know. I, I was like, man, I really hope Jason does this one because I don't know how to pronounce it. I thought you knew how to pronounce it. I never know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one. There's a lot of B's in there and I don't know what to, there's a lot of A's and a lot of B's and I feel bad. I do not know how to do it. Allah, Abdel, we'll we, we should probably not, yeah, we should yeah. probably not try to embarrass ourselves by, I'm sorry. Uh, yes. I, I believe it is Allah Abdelnabi. So, um, but that one is that that one through me. I, you know, I've I've seen, but I don't think I've ever actually uh, had to do it name, in front of people. Yes, like, had to like yeah. record on record say the name. No, it's there tough. There you yeah. go. Well, you always edit it out, I guess. We probably won't do that because we're lazy. No. But but yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yes, he he shot. Uh, you know, he he. Led the league in three-point uh, shooting uh, in 93-94 with, at almost 46%. Was part of the uh, Clyde Drexler deal to the Rockets. Got a ring out of it. Didn't play much, but got a ring out of it. And then uh, then after that, went to the expansion Raptors. Had the best year of his career, 16.2 points per game. But then went uh, to the Bullets, who then became the Wizards. And, uh, you know, he... Um, and then had his career best night, 50 points against the Warriors, 18 of 29 shooting, 5 of 10 from 3, 9 of 10 from the free throw line. And uh, Rod Strickland had uh, more than 20 assists in this game, so did a lot of setting up for uh, Murray. And this was after he and Murray had had a fight in a hotel room earlier that season. So, uh, But they uh, they were pals at least for one night. And oh, I forgot about to- that. We've, we've talked about that before, I think. I forgot that they we were did. like, yes. hey, you know what? Hey, you don't have to like each other to, to, to go out there and, and, and do your thing. So Right. So uh, good times. Yes, and he only eclipsed uh, 40 points one time prior in his career, but never reached that point again. So definitely uh, a, a big leap above his career norms. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for, for him, definitely just kind of a journeyman throughout his entire career. As you mentioned, he went to Toronto. He did this and he was kind of all over the place. I mean, the, the, the getting traded, you know, four, three or four times, you know, within the first few weeks of being in the NBA was definitely uh, uh, Tracy Murray's career there. So, yeah, he stands out as, as, as definitely a unique one. But uh, one of my favorite ones of all time of the most unlikely 50 point games, because I remember watching this live. Tony Delk from the Phoenix Suns, 53 points, January 2nd, 2001. Uh, career averages of 9.1 points per game and 21.5 minutes per game for Delk. Uh, 500 
and 45 games. So he was a solid bench guy role player. Uh, we'll talk about him here in a bit. He was uh, picked 16th overall in the 1996 uh, NBA draft uh, by the Charlotte Hornets. A year later, he was dealt by the Hornets along with Muggsy Bogues uh, to Golden State for B.J. Armstrong. So Charlotte had a lot of really short guys at that time because Tony Delk was not very tall either, but uh, traded for uh, B.J. Armstrong. He spent a year with Sacramento after that uh, before making his, his way to Phoenix in 2000. Uh, and then on January 2nd, 2001, Delk uh, rang in the new year with a career-high 53 points on 20 of 27 shooting in an overtime game against his former Kings team. Uh, this was the only game of Delk's career in which he scored 30 or more points. <laughs> Think about that. The only game where he scored 30 or more points. Uh, Delk scored only 20 or more points 47 times in his career. So he is definitely not a guy that you would expect to get 50 points, but he did it here. This was just not supposed to happen at all. Uh, he bounced around the league uh, after this. He was traded uh, with Rodney Rogers uh, to the Celtics for Joe Johnson, Milt Palacio, and Randy Brown. Uh, he was also found himself uh, involved in a pretty huge trade later in his career uh, with the Mavericks. Um, he, along with Antoine Walker, went to Dallas uh, for Chris Mills, Yuri Welsh, Rafe friends, and a 2004 first-round pick. This created the uh, the big four in Dallas with Dirk, Steve Nash, Antoine Jameson, and uh, Antoine Walker. Unfortunately, defense is a thing, and that team didn't do very well because you have to play defense sometimes. Uh, and then Walker was traded uh, that year along with Tony Delk yet again to Jason's favorite team ever, the 2003-2004 Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> That's... I, I, I'm sorry, Rich. I'm going to have to correct you. That is the 2004-2005 Atlanta Hawks. Oh, I'm um, so sorry. Sorry, sorry. I would never. That's uh, all right. And, and really, we always stress Tony Delk as 2004-2005 Hawks legend Tony Delk. So yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, I, I made I, many mistakes in that last minute. We and did. I, that's I, all right. I hope you can apologize, and I hope we can we can still do that. I hope we don't have a Tracy Murray. Or no, maybe we'll have a Tracy Murray, a <laughs> thing, where we hate each other, but still we just come on here every week and, 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 and bring the goods, even though, sure. you know. I, I know that you hate me now for mixing that up, and that and was a worse that was a worse frub than your Allah Abdul. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. So, I'm so sorry. Yes. But uh, yeah, they traded for Jason Terry and uh, Alan Henderson, and that seemed to work out pretty well for uh, Dallas, uh, and not as well for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Delk was eventually uh, dealt a bunch of other times again. So yeah, Del, uh, Delk kind of bounced around a little bit. Then I think he went overseas. He played in Greece and, and some other places uh, as well. But yeah, I think uh, this game is unique as well. He did not uh, shoot a single three pointer on uh, this game as well. So all those points come uh, from two point baskets. Uh, for little Tony Delk on the Phoenix Suns, 53 points, January 2nd, 2001. Yes, uh, yeah, that would have to be one of the last uh, times in in which a, uh, a a 50 points game was occurred without a three pointer, you know, even being taken. I mean, that or being made. That would have to be unless you're unless you're a big man doing it. Maybe that you know that would be a pretty rare occurrence uh, going forward. I think oh yeah, at yeah. This point, yeah. Uh, Next, we have uh, Brennan Jennings of the Milwaukee Bucks, 55 points on November 14, 2009. Uh, this one is more unlikely, although the career averages are below 15 points per game, so it's on the lower level of that. But, you know, at his peak, he certainly was a scorer. But I think the, the fact that it was uh, so early into his career, only his seventh game into his NBA career where he scored um, 55 in one game. His career averages are 14.1 points per game, 555 games at least so far. He has not played this season, but he did play last season. Um, and um, yes, he went, in fact, he went scoreless in the first quarter, but had a 29-point <laughs> third quarter uh, to uh, to set this record. Um, he broke the team record for most points by a rookie, previously set by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, pretty good rookie. Yes, uh, and uh, the most points overall by a rookie since uh, Earl the Pearl Monroe had fifty six in nineteen sixty eight. So I uh, was the youngest player ever to score fifty five. Uh, had the second highest total for any player uh, under twenty one, uh, only behind LeBron James, and the second most points scored by a Milwaukee Buck under behind Michael Red, who had fifty seven in two thousand six. So, um, yeah, he, uh, he never had a forty point game again in his uh, career, and had only. Uh, 33 30 plus games in his uh, career so that's uh pretty interesting because yeah you think of him as definitely a you know at least a scoring is kind of his primary skill yeah, but he yeah. never really you know <laughs> had a big scoring burst after that i guess that, that 50 point game kind of colored you know what he was in my mind because i was surprised that his scoring average was you know relatively low for his career yeah, I initially didn't even want to put him on this list because I was like, oh, Brandon Jennings, man, he, he probably had like a bunch of 40 points because like he was a volume scorer in all the sense of the world, like give him the ball and let him operate and, and a guy of that era for sure, uh, Brandon Jennings. And yeah, I think I always think of him as like this incredible scorer because that, I mean, and, and if you remember that first week that he was in the NBA, I mean, he took the NBA by storm and he was one of a you know unique guys where he didn't go to co- he didn't go to college. He went overseas to play to 
you know, out of high school uh, so he could sign endorsement deals and that sort of stuff. So he comes in in the league and, you know, within the first week and the first really half of the year, it's like, holy crap, Brandon Jennings is, is, is here and he's here to stay. And oh, my God. And then I look and I'm like, yeah, he never had another 40 point game. Like, really? I, I, he just felt like a guy who who would have racked a lot of those up, but he never did. So I think this is pretty interesting that that we do. Yeah, that you had the same reaction that I did where I'm like, oh, really? Like, I really thought he would have had a lot more than he did. So I thought that was uh Pretty interesting here, but uh, the next guy I think is one of the more interesting guys on this entire list. I remember this game. I remember this well. I know you remember it well. Andre Miller, Portland Trailblazers, 52 points, January 30th, 2010. Career averages, 12.5 points per game. You know, 1,304 games for Andre Miller, the professor. But the professor dropped 50. I, uh, I'm i shocked. It's it's true, though. On January 30th, 2010, Miller scored a career-high uh, 52 points uh, while making 22 of 31 field goal attempts in an overtime win against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, and you don't need us to tell us how impressive this is. Most of you listening to this have watched Andre Miller play basketball. He was not known as a scorer. He had uh, only 13, 13 30-plus point scoring games his entire career and obviously none over 40 points except the 52-pointer. So it really stands out differently. Uh, To put this into context, Andre Miller has more 20-plus assist games, too, than he does 40-plus point games. So, uh, yeah, he was definitely known as more of kind of an all-around player, good point guard, passer, good defense, steals, that sort of stuff than points. But, man, he did this. And, yeah, uh, what's interesting, too, is he did it all uh, by taking and making only one three-pointer. So we mentioned Tony Delk a little bit earlier, not doing any three-pointers. Andre Miller, of course, not known as a a long-distance shooter. Uh, He takes only one three-pointer this entire game and gets 52 points. My God, I remember this happening and people just losing their minds because it's like, Andre Miller, 50 points? What? No, there's no way. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, and he was 34 at this point, so obviously advanced in his career, although he he played several more seasons. Um, And uh, when he was young, he kind of played like a 34-year-old, too. You know what I mean? He was 22, and you're like, he looked like a guy at like your YMCA. It was just like, he was was more about the the, the smarts than it was the athleticism for Andre Miller at any point in his career, so. Yeah, and... um, the uh, the the Blazers beat the Mavericks in this game, one fourteen to one twelve. It went into overtime, so we obviously had some extra time to do this. Scored seven points in overtime, but yeah, uh, twenty two of thirty one from the field. Um, as you mentioned, one of one from three point line, seven of eight from the uh, from the free throw line, eleven of fifteen from the rim. So uh, so, so quite a nice uh, game there. Although he shot well from from uh, from basically everywhere on the uh, court. Quite a quite a game for him. Quite a. Um, yeah, and I think this is definitely. I don't know if it's the most unlikely, but it feels like it's the most random. Like it's yes. the most, yeah. Like like out of because he's the guy who had by far the longest career out of anybody on this list, and he played so many games and to have so few thirty plus point games in his career. It just to have this one just kind of come out of nowhere is 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 pretty amazing. So this is a definitely a fun one. I, I remember uh, I remember watching some of this one, and this was this was just amazing to watch. Yeah, and the crowd too, like ate it a lot because again, right. like everybody knew how unprecedented this was when he had you know thirty five. You could see the crowd being like, "Holy crap, Andre Miller has 30. and then he kept going and going. And I remember like the, the bench was going nuts because it's Andre Miller. Like you know, everyone every, loves Andre Miller. Yeah, right. Like everybody liked him, and he was just like Andre Miller doesn't score points. Like what the hell is he doing? Like he was good score. Like he would get your ten or fifteen or whatever, but he was more interested in setting other guys up, being good at t- like doing that sort of stuff. And then he just like exploded to get fifty points. It's just nuts. So, uh, yeah, anybody who watched him play, that that's one that you'll appreciate almost more than anybody else uh, on this entire list. But uh, on the opposite end of the athleticism spectrum, we have Terrence Ross for the Toronto Raptors, 51 points January 25th, 2014. Uh, career averages for Ross of 10.1 points per game. That'll be interesting. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, 464 games so far because he's still obviously an active player. And, yeah, you know him as kind of the okay athletic bench dude on the Magic. And, and yeah, he scored 50 points in a game once. Uh, January 25th, 2014, he's uh, 14, as we said, Ross scored a career high and franchise tying uh, 51 points in a uh, 126-118 loss to the Los Angeles Clippers on a loss uh, to the Clippers, which is uh, not the best. But hey, uh, he was uh, 16 of 29 from the floor, 10 of 17 from behind the arc. His 10 three-pointer set a career high, of course, uh, and 9 of 10 from the free throw line. So he did it from just about everywhere. You know, good sampling of free throws, a lot of three-pointers and a little bit from the floor as well. Uh, Ross's performance tied the franchise record, uh, the Raptors franchise record for points uh, set. On my birthday, January twenty or February twenty seventh, uh, two thousand. I forgot when my birthday was for two seconds. I've been 
sick. Last week, and I'm delirious, and I'm a cough medicine, so I forgot when I was born. But uh, February 27th, uh, 2000, Vince Carter set that franchise record, I assume, for me, because I was a big fan of his. So thank you, Vince Carter, for doing that. Uh, Ross entered the game averaging only 9.3 points per game, making him the first player in NBA history to have a 50-point game while averaging under 10 points per game in a season. Uh, this was after, I, I, I don't want to bring this up, but uh, this is the Rudy Gay Raptors era, and they had traded Rudy oh, Gay yeah. uh, yes. a little bit prior to this, uh, and somebody had to score, so Terrence Ross. flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry I had to do that, so yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to. Nobody needed to. I like that Rudy has oh, now kind of carved out his own little niche, and he's, yeah. he's been better, but there was a time where Rudy Gay was like a much different player and a much worse player and a much harder yeah. player to watch. And this was that era, but uh, yeah, this is the Rudy Gay uh, Raptors era, uh, but uh, NBC sports, Dan Feldman uh, crunched the numbers uh, immediately after this game. And this is what he came up with. What I think was pretty interesting as well. Uh, he says he's not a lot to remain the 50 point score with the lowest scoring average. Ross could definitely catch at least Tony Delk who averaged 12.3 points per game uh, in 2001 when he dropped 53 on the Sacramento Kings, but it's hardly a given that Ross will get there. How far back is he? Ross would have to score 51 in each of his next two games, and he would still trail Tony Delk. So, yeah, he uh, he was very low on the points per game uh, total that year. Um Interesting enough, Ross ended the year at uh, 10, uh, 10.9 points per game. So he got to double digits, but he is still the lowest ever uh, career averages for a guy uh, who scored 50 points in or the, the lowest season, season points per game yeah. average for a guy that scored right. 50 points in that season. So it's a little bit weird, but still, yeah, Terrence Ross, uh, definitely not the guy you would think to score 50 points given, you know, what he was doing that year and what he would do later that year. But uh, Terrence Ross. So there you go. Terrence Ross. Uh, next, we got Corey Brewer uh, joining our uh, Minnesota Wolves, a Timberwolves, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves journeyman. Um, <laughs> you were on Cough Medicine as well, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> we all got really high into this episode. Welcome to the Open yeah, Black Podcast. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Woo. Uh, 51 points on April 11th, 2014. Uh, his career averages 8.9 points per game in 790 games. So far in his career, he just recently had a stint with the Philadelphia 76ers, although he was cut from that team, so not currently active in the league. But you never know when he might come back. And, yeah, this was actually his second stint with the uh, Timberwolves and uh, randomly scored 51 points in a 112 to 110 win over the Houston Rockets. Um, and, yeah, he joined uh, Michael Jordan, <laughs> Allen Iverson, and Rick Barry as the <laughs> only players to have 50-plus points and six-plus and six plus steals in uh, one game. So, yeah, he, um, you know, it's always, a you know, Fun, energetic, you know, pretty good role player, uh, but not a guy who scored a lot of baskets. He, um, in fact, if you look at his, of course, his total 50-point games in his career, he just has one. Total 40-point games in his career, just one, which is a 50-point game. Total 30-point games in his career, just one, also a 50-point game. So, and only 54 games in his career with 20-plus points. So, uh, yeah, his career <laughs> high other than that is less than 30. So, that is... Um, yeah, he might be the most unlikely of. Yeah, the, I didn't. On this I list. didn't think when I was doing this list that he was. And then when I did those numbers, I was like, "Oh my god, Corey Brewer never scored like that much point." Like, yeah, he never even had thirty points. Like, what the hell? Yes. Uh, so during this season, during the twenty fourteen season, he actually averaged twelve point three uh, points uh, during uh, this. <laughs> so he, uh, had, he had a window that season. He, he so yeah, yeah, yeah. So he uh, he certainly. Uh, Certainly interesting uh, things, and he would go on to move on. He would the next team he would play with would be the Rockets. Uh, he would be traded the next season to the Rockets, so uh, the team that he victimized in this game. So, you know, perhaps they were, uh, you know, perhaps they they it was extra incentive for them to trade. <laughs> right. Well, we'll get Corey Brewer. I mean, I've yeah. always liked Corey Brewer, though. I always yeah, like a solid he's, role he's, player. Yeah, he's, always... yeah, he's fine. Um. And then we have uh, on our Timberwolves role player random list in the next season. <laughs> Mo Williams, 52 points on January 13th, 2015. Uh, now, Mo, you know, was like a one-time All-Star. I didn't necessarily think of him being on this list, but only averaged really 13.2 points per game in his career, 8.1, uh, or excuse me, um, uh, 818 games in his career. Um, and yeah, he, that season he averaged 12.2 points for the team. In fact, was traded uh, mid-season after this, you know, a few weeks after this game to the Hornets where he... Uh, Average 17.2 um, points per game. So, and 14.2 total uh, that season. So, actually did uh, best his career average despite being fairly late into his career. Um, and, yeah, uh, before uh, before this, he had had two 40-point games in his career with the Cavaliers uh, in a two-week stretch in 2009. 
And his highest scoring uh, career scoring average was 17.8 points per game. It was in that 2009 season for Cleveland, in which he was a all-star. So and LeBron James can technically say that he played alongside a all-star guard in his career before going on to. <laughs> right. So, yes. So, Williams. But yeah, no, this, he's he's an interesting one because like I don't I don't necessarily think of Mo Williams like unlikely to score 50 points. I think he was a pretty good scorer and a pretty good shooter and all that sort of stuff. But doing it as a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves in 2015, it's just like, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. Like that's it. Like you would have thought, like I thought maybe he would have had like some weird explosion because you, you know, you played for the bucks prior to uh, going to the Cavaliers and he was, you know, kind of one of their top players. And then the Cavs, obviously you're going to have LeBron who's going to take most of the points, but he was still, you know, he was an all-star at that point. And we're talking like, you know, a handful of years later, you know, 2015 as a member of the Timberwolves, he scores 52. So he's an interesting one in that. Like, yeah, I don't know that it's so unlikely that he was going to score 50 points, but I just think the circumstances at which he scored 50 50 points are, are, are definitely unlikely. So, yeah, Absolutely. And then our last one, Lou Williams of the Los Angeles Clippers. 50 points on January 10th, uh, 2018. So just over a year ago as the recording this podcast. Uh, his career average, uh, 14 points per game in 24.5 minutes per game. So yeah, pretty good. That was lower than I expected. But if you consider the minutes per game, that's, yeah, that's more in line with what I was expecting. 909 games. And his average that season was 22.6 points per game, which is a career high at age 31. And unlike most players, he keeps increasing his career uh, average points per game into his early 30s. He didn't, what the hell is he doing? Yeah. Well, he didn't play a lot early in his career. So, yeah. you know, he's uh, and he's obviously you know, had a big role for the Lakers and the uh, Clippers in recent years. And in, in fact, um, all of his career 40 plus point games have come since the 2016 season and have either been with the Lakers or the Clippers. And in fact, one was for the Clippers against the Lakers. So he loves to score in L.A. apparently. <laughs> so that, that L.A. cooking, the yeah. tacos, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But L.A., I don't know what the yeah, I guess tacos would be your your uh, your 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 I, maybe the ramen. He goes to Japantown and get some ramen. I had some ramen in Japantown when I was there. It was oh, quite there good. Go. So, yeah, maybe that's yes. what Lou's losing to. But, yeah, I, I love Lou Williams. He's just a great character. So, like, I don't know if he's unlikely to score 50, but it's like, yeah, he's like a bench guy, too. I think that's the thing that's interesting about him is that he does it. You know, he, he increases his scoring total without really starting all that many games. Like, I think this year he started zero games. I think last year he he came off the bench like in 60 plus games or whatever and had to start only on necessity. So the man loves to come off the bench. And he loves to score. But still, yeah, given that, it, it, it's tough to believe that he would ever amount 50 points because like, yeah, coming off the bench, we, we, we heard about that. The only guy that did that uh, was Nick Anderson. And he basically came off the bench only because they weren't quite sure if he was going to play at all in that game. And, and he comes out and plays most of the game and, and, and scores 50 where Lou Williams does it so much more efficiently that that you feel like it's hard to ever get the momentum to get 50 points. But man, he did here. And, and you know, I, I feel I don't know. The sky's the limit for Lou Williams. He could do it again. Yeah, I think, you know, why not? <laughs> why, why not? Why not? Indeed. Yes. So there are a, a handful of other players who average less than 15 points per game in this career who have scored 50 plus in an NBA game. We didn't want this to, you know, go on forever. So just we'll just list the uh, last few here. Uh, a couple surprises here, I think. Uh, Richard Lewis, uh, 14.9 um, points per game, so barely makes that uh, mark. I believe he's the only multi-time All-Star on this um, list, but I, I think that's driven down by the end of his career where he didn't play very much for yeah. a number of seasons. Yeah, yeah. and there was there was an early part of his career, too, where I think he was still kind of just kind of finding himself, you know, those early that's Seattle true. years where he was kind of right. finding himself. And obviously has the peak in Seattle, the Orlando, and then, yeah, obviously the end of his career where he's playing just, you know, spot minutes on the Heat team. But, yeah, he's got the rings to show, so I'm sure he's okay. There you go. It, so. Yeah. Uh, we have Michael Adams, uh, 14.7 points, of course, known for those uh, Denver Nugget teams that, that did a lot of run and gun. Uh, Jamal Crawford, this is lower than I expected, 14.7 for his career. And in fact, he has three 50-point games, which is as many as Shaquille O'Neal. So uh, kind of a fun fact there. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's I, I guess and we, we talked about that again like if you go through a lot of these guys like you know maybe in the early set like the, the first guys we talked about a lot of them were you know some bigger guys or some other ones but then we pretty much gone guard heavy from the 80s until today and it, it, it's tough to imagine any sort of big man unless I guess nowadays with the, the you know the big men shooting threes or whatnot it makes a little bit more sense but it seems a little tougher for, for big dudes to do it so I guess I'm not yeah. shocked that Jamal Crawford has more 50 point games than Shaq but still it's just like Man, really? Like Shaq? It's it's Shaq. Like you can just score at will, but yeah, it's just tougher when you're shooting twos all the time. And and Jamal Crawford sometimes shoots threes. So yeah, I mean the guys who are doing it. Yeah, the the big guys now who are doing it are like your Anthony Davises and your Carl Anthony Towns. Who yeah, I mean they, you know, they're doing more than just going to the post. I mean, you know, they're they're scoring from a lot of different places. They're you know they have a lot of range and whatever. I mean Shaq, yeah, obviously he was unstoppable down low, but that he was going to be scoring within a fairly 
limited range and you know right. it, it makes sense but it, it just it's just kind of surprising right at the end of the day so. somehow we, we've we'll, we've spent <laughs> five minutes saying that three is more than two which yes is but that's you know hey sometimes that's, that's, that's basketball at its core man three is more and, than and, two, so. and three plus two equals five which is how long we talked about it so <laughs> right. it works out so yeah uh math math lessons here yes, over back we, in the uh, podcast. Yeah. you're welcome yeah uh, so two people that, I, I'm not very good at math at all, so you definitely should not take any math advice from me. I think you're better than me, Jason, but uh, yeah, do not take any from, from me. So. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I was a journalist for 15 yeah, years. Exactly, so, right. Yeah, so, actually, you know what? On second thought, don't take any math advice from either of us because yeah, we both got, no, we both have journalism good. and communication degrees. So that's why right. the reason we have that is because we are bad at math. So Yeah, there you go. Well, I'm a programmer now, so am I good at math? I was going to say, that's why I said you might be good at math now. So you know, Right, maybe. I'll have to take a test and see how it goes. Uh, anyway, other guys on this list, uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf, uh, had 14.6 points, uh, Cedric Zabalos, 14.3, Clifford Robinson, 14.2, Damon Stoudemire, 13.4, n- another one that was much lower than I expected, and Vernon Maxwell, 12.8 points per game, so, uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's your list of, uh, I believe we've, we've, uh, gotten everybody on that list, so that's, uh, there you go. Those are your most unlikely fifty-point scores. I guess you 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 pick your uh, choice. I you know I I gotta go. We we talked about Corey Brewer. That's a good one. We talked about Terrence Ross, uh, Andre Miller for sort of different reasons. And you know Walt Wesley. Honestly, at the beginning of the show, like uh, you know who heard of Walt Wesley before? Uh, you know going into this episode. <laughs> you know that's uh, he he's even one that that I was uh, you know uh, that I had not heard much about. So so there you go. Yeah, I think for me, I'm, I'm I'm going Andre Miller just because it's it knowing how he played. Like these other guys, like a lot of these guys are are just you know good scorers that just weren't like good all around players. They just maybe didn't get the opportunity to do it. Like a Tony Delk type. Like yeah, I mean it, it, it's completely random that he did it, but it makes sense that that he might have been a guy that would do it. And Nick Anderson, of course, is is a pretty good scorer and whatnot. And 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 some other guys, you know, flirted with these you know fifty point games or whatever. But then like Andre Miller, like what? No, like but Corey Brewer definitely stood out to me. I did not expect to be as blown away by Corey. Brewer's uh, lack of, of scoring history uh, as I was. So he definitely is the sleeper of this, but I'm, I'm still going Andre Miller. I'm still going the professor just because like I, I feel like he would even feel uncomfortable about scoring 50 points. You, you know, like when he was at 40, he'd probably be like, guys, oh, just stop passing me the ball. <laughs> like, I don't want the ball. Like, like he never seemed like the guy who wanted that attention. So I could see him because some guys relish in that. Like, you know, some guys are really like, oh, I'm, I'm at 40. Like, let's go. Let's, you know, feed me the ball. Andre Miller seems like he'd be the opposite of like, no, don't put me in. No, I don't want to play anymore. No, stop passing me the ball. Like, I don't want to score 50 points, but uh, uh, no, he did it anyway. So I think I'm going to go with Andre, but uh, Corey Brewer, definitely a sleeper in this list for sure. Absolutely. So um, we do have one Twitter question that I want to address because I, I think it's interesting. I don't know if we're going to be able to answer it here, but I think it's a, definitely a future show discussion. Uh, at Snap Wilson wants us to discuss whether it's weirder that these guys had 50-point games or that Charles Barkley never had one in the regular season, at least. Ooh, yeah, that's it, because he was a good shooter, too. Like, you know, Charles, right. you know, he could bang down low, but he was also a really, really good shooter. Wow, Charles Barkley not, never had a 50-point game. Man. Yeah, once in the playoffs he did, but not in the regular season. So um, so that, that, that it's interesting. We're going to have to uh, dive into the the – a list of guys who it seemed oh it's weirdest that never had a 50 point yeah, game yeah wow so that, charles is a, charles a an interesting one because because yeah. he was you know there were seasons where especially that first year the, the year he won the mvp in phoenix like i forget his scoring average off the top of my head but it was it was high like yeah you would have thought that season or or some season wow charles barkley never had a 50 point game that's a that's a great show right there is like guys that you would assume like this is the opposite this is the guys that you're like no that guy didn't have a 50 point game yeah he did i love the idea of a show of like can you believe that X never had a 50 point game? And hopefully there's yeah. many more guys on the list other than Charles Barkley. And I'm sure there are, but wow, that's uh, that's man. I don't know what to think about that. That's, that's nuts. There you go. Well, well snap. Thank you for, for uh, thought, yeah. Uh, yeah. Offering that question. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle that one in a, in a future. episode. that's a fun question. So, and if anyone else wants to throw us uh, episode ideas, whether it's 50 point related or not, you can uh, tweet us at over and back NBA, uh, also, we're on Facebook.com uh, at Over and Back NBA. Either way, we'll get your message and we will uh, we will answer you or try to address something on the show. And, um, yeah, you can find us at the Step Back at Fansider.com. Lots of great uh, NBA coverage there and uh, some good stuff you, you can check out. And uh, also, uh, what, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn. We're on, we're on the services you'd never even heard of. 
So, um, (laughs) yes. You've never used it. You're never going to use it. But if we are, I think we always say that. If we are on a service that you use, I use this random app that you've never heard of. uh, Let us know because we'll do whatever we can to make sure that we are on that random app that you've never heard of. So uh, let us know. If we are on something that you use and we are not there, let us know. We will be on there soon. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And remember, shoot or shoot. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.